today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. He was crucified during that time of the Passover. The next of the feast that comes about is the Feast of First Fruits. It's a wave offering to the Lord of the first fruits of the harvest. And at his resurrection, Jesus actually fulfilled that first fruits. He became the first fruits of those who would be resurrected from life to death. The Apostle Paul nails it for us when he writes to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So in other words, the first one to be resurrected. If you've been a believer for any extended period of time, chances are you're well aware that the Jewish feasts are foreshadowings of Christ. From tabernacles and the Lord dwelling with us to Passover and the crucifixion, they all point to Jesus. In today's message, Pastor David will teach you about the Feast of First Fruits and how it speaks of the resurrection. In his study, you'll learn how Christ was the first fruit of the resurrection that all believers will experience. And here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 2 as he begins his message, The Coming of Power. been in our study in the uh, book of Acts uh, now for a while. Uh, We've been in chapter 1. We are this morning moving into chapter 2. We go into Acts chapter 2 today with a, uh, not really a fear and trembling, but with uh, an understanding that in Acts chapter 2 an event happens that the understanding of what is happening here in reference to how the body of Christ receives it, is literally all over the map. We'll get to that as we get in. And as we get into the Word, you'll understand, hopefully, what I'm speaking about. Hopefully, you'll understand that uh, we want to take and rightly divide the Word. I don't want to come at it with preconceived notions. I don't want to come at it with preconceived prejudices or even fears. I want to faithfully open up the Word of God today and lay it out, I believe, as the Holy Spirit has caused for it to be laid out, to be instructed for us. So without further uh, ado or further uh, pre-warning, let's look at that chapter. Chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Luke writes to us, he says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty or of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit 
and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Let's stop right there as we look at these things. Let me read verse 6 also. When this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Luke tells us here that it was when the day of Pentecost had fully come. He's speaking of a precise day, a time frame in, in the Jewish calendar. He's given us an exact day and time here. In Leviticus chapter 23, we actually see a listing and a little bit of information about the various Jewish feast days. As a little bit of a short side note and to kind of tie it in with everything that we're doing today, one of the things that we'll see is those feast days, in many cases, they're an outline of the very life of Jesus Christ. We look at Passover. Passover happened on the first day of the Jewish religious month, the, or not the first day, but the first month, the 14th day, the month of Nisan. It happened, the Passover happens on the 14th of Nisan, and that's when they are to kill the Passover lamb. And Passover is just an absolutely perfect picture of the sacrifice of the perfect, sinless, spotless lamb of God. And when we read within the gospel reports, we find out that Jesus was killed, he was crucified during that time of the Passover. The next of the feasts that comes about is the Feast of First Fruits. It's a wave offering to the Lord of the first fruits of the harvest. And at his resurrection, Jesus actually fulfilled that first fruits. He became the first fruits of those who would be resurrected from life to death. The Apostle Paul nails it for us when he writes to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So in other words, the first one to be resurrected. Now we get back to our passage this morning here in Acts, and after Passover and the day of first fruits, they were to count seven Sabbaths, or 49 days. And the next day, the 50th day, was to be that celebration that we call Pentecost, okay? Come from a Greek word that simply means 50th. Uh, in, in Judaism, the festival is called Shavuot. And it means the, the Feast of Weeks, okay? So now, 50 days after the Passover is where we're at. We find, because we read in chapter 1, that there are 120 that are gathered together. They're praying with one accord in one place. Now, we read here in the second chapter, in verse 1, that as they continued all in one accord and in one place, verse 2 says, and suddenly, and suddenly. You've got to understand, that means uh, uh, abruptly, with, with, without any warning, without any notice. Bam! Immediately, it, it, it happened. They, they, they weren't ready for it, although they were anticipating it. They, they, they weren't really expecting it, though they were expecting something. They didn't know what to expect. They didn't know what to look for. You, you and I, now in, in retrospect, I mean, we've got the whole book. We've got the whole message. We, we see exactly what's going on. But for them, you got to understand that they've been praying, and they've been praying for 10 days now. 
They've been praying, Lord, send down that power that you promised. Send down the, the, the presence of your Holy Spirit that you promised. They didn't know what to expect. They didn't know how it was coming. They had no clue at that. But they were faithfully praying day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven, day eight, day nine, and then day 10. Bam! Immediately is what Luke says. Immediately there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. What Luke is describing here is an absolute manifestation of the supernatural. It's not just suddenly a windstorm from the Middle East came along and they heard the wind blowing. We get that here all the time. No, what happened here is within that house, this loud noise of this wind came. Again, Luke wasn't present at the occasion. He had to rely upon the eyewitness accounts of Peter, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the others that were there. But as the Holy Spirit directed him, and as he spoke with these who had experienced it, Luke wrote down these words, there came a sound from heaven, that supernatural manifestation coming down from heaven, even as Jesus was taken up into the heavens, now this sound is coming down. It was a sound, a supernatural, audible connection, making that connection with physical senses. Different versions say different ways. Uh, The King James, the New King James says, as of a rushing mighty wind. If you have the NIV, it says, like the blowing of a violent wind. The English Standard Version says, a sound like a mighty rushing wind. For how long that noise continued, uh, to what intensity, we don't know. Believe that it was a high intensity, a great intensity. They, They said it was like a mighty rushing or a violent wind. It could have happened only for a few seconds. We don't know for certain. But it was long enough, though, to leave an unforgettable impression on those that experienced it. And we also know that from the text that it went on throughout the whole house. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then just as suddenly as this audible manifestation took place, there came a visible supernatural manifestation, this work of God where it says, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. Other versions say, Uh, what seemed to be tongues of fire or what looked like flames or tongues of fire. And again, how do you explain the supernatural? How do you explain what you've really never seen before and you're trying to put words to it? It appeared like, it seemed like, it looked like tongues of fire. And not on just a few, not on just the 12. No, this fell on everyone that was in the house. One sat upon each of them. And in one way or another, God was about to use every one of them in that room that day. Now, because, once again, because we have the book, we, we, we have the text right in front of us. We know that in just a very few short moments, the Lord is going to use Simon Peter to be able to declare, to speak to all the crowds that were there gathered in Jerusalem on that day, to speak to them about what's happening. But at this time, 
each and every one that's in the house, they heard the sound from heaven, that rushing wind, they saw the divided tongues as a fire land on each one. I believe that what was taking place is that the very glory of God had come into that place, had come upon them. The Holy Spirit of God had fallen upon them. And what does verse four say? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The power, the presence, the majesty, the glory of God came upon them in a real and in a dynamic way. This dunamis, this, 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 that Greek word for power, we get the word dynamite. The power of God came upon them. That was the promise of the Father. Jesus had told them, Only a few short days ago, he says, you shall be baptized by or with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He had also shared with them that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Prior to that, he had revealed to them, I'm going, but I will send the promise of my Father upon you. And once that promise of the Father comes, he said, and you will be endued with power from on high. This is what was taking place at that very moment in that house. As the very presence and the power of the Holy Spirit overwhelmed their lives. And it's at that point, guys, that they just began worshiping and praising and declaring the greatness of who God is. And as they experienced for that first time that filling of the Holy Spirit in their lives, they broke out in this time of praise and honor to God. And as he filled their lives, they began to overflow, to burst out with joy and praise to God Almighty. Now, a little bit of background before we go further. At this time in in the history of Israel, nearly every Jew spoke and understood a minimum of three languages. Pretty impressive. They they knew Hebrew because Hebrew was the, the language of religion and of their worship. They understood and spoke Hebrew in the times of worship. They also understood Aramaic. Aramaic was a language that came to the Middle East during that time, actually about 900 years prior. 900 BC or so is when Aramaic became one of the main trade languages of that area. They would also know and speak and understand Greek in the form of the Koine Greek, the common Greek language, not the high Greek, but the common. The common Greek language, again, that was because of the culture of the, of the Roman uh, 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 reality, the Roman presence there in Israel. And again, they had been there now for quite some time. But as the Spirit gave them utterance, these within the house began to shout out and to give praise. As they did, they were no longer just speaking Hebrew, although some of them could have been speaking Hebrew. Also, there there may have been some, not all of them, but possibly some, that were crying out even in Aramaic. And some, I believe, could have been praising God in the Koine Greek. But 
there were also a multitude of other languages that were being spoken well beyond the learning, well beyond the experience of those that were within that house. A little bit later in the passage, look down in verse 9. We read that there were men there that were from the, the Parthians and the Medes and the Eliamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontius and Asia. Verse 10 says that there were some there from Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene. There were also visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, those who were Gentiles that became Jews that had come there from Rome, there to be in Jerusalem during the time of Pentecost. There were also Cretans and Arabs. And they said that we here, we these, all of these people, we hear them, these people from, there in the house, the 120, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Now let's pause for a moment just to clarify a few things because, again, we, we need to look at the detail, actually, of what God has given us in his word. Back up with me to verse 4. Here we clearly see three separate phrases that the Holy Spirit led Luke, the author of the book of Acts, to write. Look at it there in verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, phrase 1. Phrase 2, and began to speak with other tongues, phrase 2. Phrase 1, phrase 2. And as the Spirit gave them utterance, phrase 3, okay? Phrase one, there's no doubt, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke's very clear at that point. All of those that were in the house were filled with the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, the dunos from the Father, that power, you'll be endued with power from on high. Phrase two, they began to speak with other tongues. The word translated here as tongues, again, comes from that Greek word glossa, which means it can either mean the, the physical thing within your mouth right now, the tongue, or it can mean the language that you speak. They speak with the language or with the tongue of Arabic or whatever. So you have those two deals. But we see within the context here that what Luke is speaking about is language, not just the physical tongue. We'll come back to this language thing in a moment. But before we forget, look at that third phrase. The third phrase, actually this is, this is uh, I believe, the troubling modifier in trying to fully understand what exactly took place in the first century Jerusalem and what even takes place today. The phrase is, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now stick with me here. Because I believe we have to look very honestly at this particular modifier, this qualifier, that the Holy Spirit led Luke to write in that same verse. There's no doubt that, that, that by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, God did a miraculous work in these believers. It was out of the ordinary, it was out of the normal, not a natural move. It was a supernatural move of God. And when Luke writes here, as the Spirit gave them utterance, its meaning actually can be construed within the context of what he's writing here in, I believe, a couple of different ways. The first one is, the Spirit gave utterance 
as the Spirit gave them utterance, that the Spirit gave utterance to some to speak in foreign languages, and to some he did not. Again, as the Spirit gave them utterance. In other words, some spoke in an unknown language and others simply spoke in a language they knew. And we'll look at the reasoning for that in a moment. They would have spoken in Hebrew or Aramaic or even in Greek as the Spirit gave them utterance. It would be as if I came to you this morning and said, okay, I want everyone to stand up as I point to you. Not everybody's going to stand up. But as I point to you, as the Spirit gave them utterance, and I believe that some had that utterance of foreign language, some spoke a language they knew, Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek. That's one idea. The second idea is they all spoke in foreign languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. To one speaking one foreign language, to another, another foreign language. In other words, I would like for all of you to just tell me your first name. And when I say go, go. I'm giving you that opportunity as the Spirit gave them, okay? So that's that idea. The reason this is so important and the reason I'm zeroing in on this is because of the belief of some that if you are baptized in the Spirit, or as Luke says here, you are filled with the Spirit, that the, some believe that the only evidence of that is you will speak in foreign or unknown tongues. It's here, I believe, that we need to take an honest look at the, at the exegesis or the, the clear interpretation of the text, as clear as we possibly can. One thing we find later in the text, we read that the tongues that were spoken here, they, they were definitely not an incoherent or an ecstatic uh, tongues, but they were actual languages that were spoken here in chapter 2 of the book of Acts. Also, as we bring the whole balance of this passage into view, I believe that we can clearly see that some spoke in foreign langu languages while others spoke in known languages. Look at the passage again, verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Now also, in the context of what Luke is writing here, we need to see that there were no fewer than 14, and probably no more than 15 different language groups that were represented here on that day. These men that were hearing the wonderful works of God in their own language. Again, look down in verse 8. We see all the different language groups uh, that, that are there. Again, how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Verse 9 says, Parthians, and then Medes, and then Eliamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, number five, six is Cappadocia, Pontius, uh, Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, it makes for ten. Then there's Egypt and parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors also from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, and we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. 
We're so glad you could be with us today as we opened God's Word and dove into the goodness and truth the Bible contains. If you've missed any part of today's message in Acts, we encourage you to refer to our website, calvarycg.org. Once there, you can browse our library of audio as well as learn more about the ministry of the Open Word. We'd love to hear from you about how God's working in your life. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. When you call, please let us know how we can be praying for you. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If you prefer accessing information through social media, visit our Facebook page and keep up to date with all that's happening at The Open Word. Just go to theopenword.com. You'll be directed right to our page. You'll be able to explore more of Pastor David's audio there as well. As our time comes to a close today, Pastor David has a quick word of encouragement to share with you. Hey, thanks, Chris. Any time you spend in God's Word is valuable, and I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. By diving deeper into the Scripture and letting it saturate your heart and mind, you'll be ready to take on your day as well as be prepared when the enemy attacks. If you're not sure where to start, you can begin by reading today's passage again. Or simply let your Bible fall open. If your heart is open to the Holy Spirit's direction, you can't go wrong. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. And I hope you'll join me again next time on The Open Word. Make a small-